this is to say thank you for all that you're doing going over and above for legacy. Amen? And we're going to see it. We're going to see the land. We're going to see the buildings. We're going to see the Christian school. We're going to see it. And you're making that possible. And we want to just say a big thank you. You're going to be so blessed tonight. Uh, Pastor Scott has a great message for you. And I, I just believe that you're going to be able to take something with you and do something with this. Amen. All right. Praise the Lord. Yeah, we are so thankful for you. I just have a couple things I want to share with you because it is exciting, amen, to see what God's doing, and we've only just begun. Last year, do you remember what we celebrated? 40. November. Been a year already, just almost, and uh, it's amazing. But we talked about the next 40, didn't we? We talked about moving ahead. We remembered the old one, the, the, the old you know, what we went through, we shared with stories and so on and so forth, but we're here to make new stories. Amen. Amen. And uh, in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 5, Philippians chapter 1 is an awesome chapter, but Paul is saying, I thank God for you, for your fellowship, your sympathetic cooperation and contributions and partnership in advancing the good news. Now, the thing is that I was thinking about this earlier. God, you know, a lot of people want to be lone rangers and try to do things themselves. But God has created the body. We see that in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where he uses the analogy of a physical body to explain the church. And all of us together, working together, can build the kingdom and accomplish what God wants us to do. It's not on one person's shoulder, but all of us according to the gifts that he's given to us and the way he has blessed us and prospered us, we all have a, a, our part to share. And that's what legacy is all about. It's taking care of what, what we have now and it's preparing for the future. Praise the Lord. So we are excited about it. Give yourselves a hand. Amen? Because you're making it happen. We cannot do it without you. And I was, I was, I had shared this with uh, uh, Pastor Scott and Holly in, in the car. I remember when we, when we called back here and we sent applications and we, we, when God told us to come to New England, I can remember when we called and we, and we, the Assembly of God pastor was in the assemblies, and they said this 40 years ago. They said, "We don't need any churches back here. We have plenty." <laughs> but we all know they didn't, right? You know, because I, 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 the reason God spoke to us as I was praying for my family to find a church, but we're building a legacy together with you, and this church that will be built will be here, and Christian school will be here, and when when people are looking for a church, they're going to find this church, not only the, the, in the coming years, but we're going to leave that legacy for for generations we have actually in this church right now we have families with five generations, five generations. wow that's amazing Amen. isn't it and and so we want to leave that legacy and and i wanted to just uh, also share a scripture um we're pastors we can't do anything without a scripture i guess right? we've got to have the word i gotta find it now i lost it here we go and it's in Romans uh, chapter 12 through 6, 6 through 8, and then verse 11. It said, the Apostle Paul says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, 
Let us use them in prophecy. Let us prophesy in proportion to our faith or ministry. Let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, and you have done that. And in, in, in uh, Romans 12, 11, it says, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, and serving the Lord. And you have been fervent the last uh, three years. How many of you, you know that Living Word has had a big turnaround, amen? And you made it possible. So with, uh, with that, we're going to show you uh, 2022 in review, and then Pastor Mike's going to come and talk to you about the, finan the financial situation, and so share with you kind of where we're at, okay? Not as in-depth as we do in February, but you'll get an idea. An update. Amen. Amen? Oops, before I leave, before the video goes on, are we ready, Mari? And um, I just had to do this. How many of you know that Pastor Mike and Laurie today is their 26, 27, 30, 33, 33rd anniversary? Happy anniversary! Come on, everybody. Wish them a happy anniversary. And you know what? They're here doing the work of the Lord. Amen. And they're such a blessing. And so you have some dessert that will be cut up and you'll be able to enjoy yourself. And a happy anniversary, guys. 33. We married them 33 years ago. <laughs> so are we ready for the video? Okay, here we go. 2022 was an amazing year for the Legacy Foundation. Our Legacy members are kingdom-minded believers, and as a result of their generosity, we are seeing the kingdom of God grow. In 2022, we saw growth in numbers and in faith within our congregation. Additionally, we made large strides by expanding our staff and significantly enhancing our live stream presence, making it a year filled with excitement. We also celebrated our 40th anniversary in ministry. We took time during the month of November to celebrate with speakers like Mark and Trina Hankins, as well as Drs. Tom and Maureen Anderson. Our 40th anniversary banquet was a truly memorable night, with friends past and present in attendance. These are all special memories as we set our sights forward to the future of Living Word. We had many amazing events like our marriage weekend, our night of worship, Easter services, backpack giveaway, trunk or treat, thankful, and our Christmas outreach show. We supported ministries with national and global reach throughout the year. Mark Hankins Ministries, who is called to train and equip pastors and leaders around the world with the message of faith through the printed word and through Bible schools. Samaritan's Purse, who specializes in meeting critical needs for victims of conflict, disaster, famine, and epidemics throughout the world. Words for Winners, Pastors Tom and Maureen Anderson preach the gospel nationally and internationally and assist in building up the local church. Faith in Pistons, a local ministry whose mission is to mentor teenage boys by teaching them auto repair skills while teaching them about Jesus. We have also sowed into multiple ministries that are currently building as a seed sown for our own building. 
In 2023, we will continue to lay the foundation for our new church campus. God has put on our hearts to believe for 10 acres of land. On this land, there will be three buildings. The main building will house the church sanctuary, cafe, and public gathering spaces. The second building will house our children and youth center. Our third building will include our Bible college and a K-12 Christian school and our administrative offices. We will own this land and we will own the buildings. We are building a legacy for our future generations. We are looking for greater opportunities for ministry in 2023, a year of new beginnings. You can impact the future through the Legacy Foundation. All of what you see is accomplished by our legacy partners. Guys, I'm going to give you a little uh, financial update for the Legacy Foundation, what's been happening. do want to give you some information, though, that we have gift bags for everyone on that back table. I'm going to have uh, Mr. Williams come up and grab his bag. Obviously, he has not got his yet. But the rest of you, before you leave, come up, go grab your bag. If you're a couple, it'll have it together. On there, And like the pastors have already said, we are so blessed that you guys are here tonight, that you're part of the Legacy Foundation. I'm just going to show you a quick financial slide here so that you guys know where we're at as far as this year goes. So what we do is we ask everyone to do a pledge in February of every year. And as that money comes in to go ahead and give towards that pledge for this year, $211,440 came in as a pledge. Um, of that, right now, there were 441 donations for a total donated of $95,804. So we are on track for meeting that goal. <clears throat> Thank you guys for doing that. As you know, a lot of that goes towards our outreaches and the things that we do from day to day here at the church. But we're also putting money aside for that 10 acres for those three buildings because we're not going to be at our, at, at our location forever in Rockland, okay? And just so that you guys know, um, we have been looking at land. We have been looking at places. Things have opened up. People are giving us tips. And, and we went out to look at a piece of property that uh, had 10 acres of land, buildable land, not wetlands, high ground, good land. It had multiple buildings on it, okay? And, uh, and it was something that we could get. So it was, it was, they were asking $5 million for it, okay? So we put in an offer for $4 million towards it, just so you guys know, all right? We're already hitting the ground. We're already doing it. And, uh, and our offer got rejected, you guys. Everyone say, uh. Here, here's why. We, we didn't have, no, that too, we did not have our down payment ready, okay? So if you think of it this way, on a commercial property, you need 20%, and if you're gonna give 20% of five million, if you are a mathematician in here, that is a one a million dollars, okay? A one a million. If, if you're gonna give a down payment on four million dollars, which we put in, we would need $800,000, okay? 
So if you want to do the math, we were about, we were about mm, $600,000 off that. Now, if you, <laughs> if you think that's a lot of money, it isn't, you guys. If you sell a small, tiny house in Braintree, Massachusetts, you're going to get $600,000 right there. We're one tiny house away from getting into our next church building. Okay? But here's the thing. The, these things don't just drop out of heaven. God speaks to us. We all do our part. Everyone in here has listened to God. God has given you an amount, and you're doing your part to give towards the vision that God has for us. So get your packing bags ready, guys. We're not going to be here forever. God has great things in store for us. Amen? So again, thank you, everyone, for what you're doing and uh, what you're doing towards these goals. And um, you know what? It was, it was a swing and a miss, but next time it's going to be a swing and a hit. Amen? Amen? Amen. We're doing this together. Pastor Scott, we're going to have you come up at this time. Amen? <clears throat> You guys, um, go ahead and check and see if that one's on. See if that one's working. Is that one on? That's on. You guys saw his mom and dad, and you're familiar with his mom and dad. They were on the screen. We go ahead and support them through the Legacy Foundation as well. But Scott has been coming back to uh, Living Word for close to 10, 15 years. Well, 15 years. 15 years, yeah. Yeah. And so I'll let you take you're it all from family. here, amen? You yeah, are, are all family. family. Come on, somebody. Now, something that, something that I do wherever I go, uh, when I went to Gulu, Africa, and I got to preach to about a few thousand different pastors, they don't clap and amen out there. What they do is they go, loo, 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 loo. <laughs> and I like it so much that I brought it back to America, and I come to find out it means I have victory over my enemy. So if you've got victory over your enemy, be loud about it on three. Come on, everybody together. One, two, three. <laughs> you can Lulu anytime you want. I want to say a special thank you to your pastors who are great friends of the Andersons. And uh, no, you're lucky. Give your pastors a hand clap there. I know if we lived within 100 miles of this place, we would be at this church. We know that they lay it down. Um, you know, my, my parents have the opportunity to go all over the world and speak into, into pastors, into churches. And one of the things, that they, they, they love you all. They, they really do. One of the things they say, this is one of the most important things. They say, because, you know, if they talk to ten pastors, there's two pastors that will actually listen and do what they say. And they're the ones that see the harvest in their life because that's what wisdom does. And your pastors are the two out of the ten that actually do that. Come on, somebody. They, and my parents... Brag on them, brag on this church all of the time. I like to always start off with something kind of funny. And there was a missionary, he'd gone over to Africa. He spent a few years out there and, you know, he learned the language and was getting people saved and doing everything. And after a couple of years, though, he, he sat down with the chief. He says, you know, I've learned your language and your culture and stuff. I'd like to share mine with you. And uh, the chief said, so he said, you know, um, every day if I can take you around and I'll just start teaching you things. And so that first day they went around and, you know, he talked, you know, uh, boy, girl, and he, he showed fire. And the next day they walked around, he, he said huts, and he showed them rock and trees. And a few weeks go by and now he began to wander out kind of into the jungle and they were kind of walking around. 
naming different things. And he saw a snake, and he said snake. And, but they came around the corner, and all of a sudden there was a, a man and a woman, and they, and they were kissing over there. And he, did, he didn't know how to, he, he just froze up. He didn't know what to say to the chief. And he said, uh, riding a bike. Well, the chief grabbed his little blowpipe out and, and shot a poisonous dart right into the guy. The guy fell over. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. And the guy goes, my bike. <laughs> I like that one. Anyway, I, uh, a few things I'd like to do tonight. Um, first thing I, I want to explain, uh, in 2004, um, I started teaching a series on Think Like a Billionaire. And during that series, a lot of things came into place uh, in me and my wife's life. We stumbled across three scriptures that I feel like really changed my life. Uh, Psalms 23.7 was the main one, as a man thinks, so is he. And it kind of came to me that wealthy people think differently than the rest. They have a different way that they think. And if I can think like a wealthy-minded person, my life has no choice but to produce it. And so you find that oftentimes the average person has limits on their thoughts and what they can do and what they can have. But you get around a, a, a wealthy person and you find out that they think way differently than the average person. I had uh, a gentleman that was worth a half a billion dollars. He's worth over $500 million. Get my Think Like a Billionaire book. And, and uh, for some reason, he, paid, he called my office and said he'd, have, he'd pay me $5,000 to have lunch with me. Which I was like, well, I usually charge six, but I'll have like, sure, I'll do, sure, sure. <laughs> so we go out to lunch, and um, man, I just gleaned off of him, because he talks so differently about everything. But one of the things that he said that really stuck with me is he said, he, I watched my parents spend their whole life chasing money and never really catching it. And I thought, that's most people. He says, so I decided at a young age to create a world in which money chases me. He created an environment where blessings came to him. And it made me go back, and I rewrote the Think Like a Billionaire book, and that's the issue we have out now. I did an anniversary issue with it, and I doubled the size of it, talking about God's favor. Because Abraham speaks about that in Genesis chapter 12, when God, God's favor came upon him. But then we know in the New Testament that same favor is on us. And what favor does is it attracts the blessings of God. It attracts the people, the resources, and the ideas that I need to have success. And as Holly and I began to step forward in this favor in our life, I mean, God brought Jesse Duplantis to pray over us in the beginning of this journey. And that's something that I want to do tonight also. I hadn't told the pastor. I just felt like that when I was sitting there, that I would like to pray that same favor that Jesse prayed over us, over everybody that would like that tonight. At the end, I would like, I would like to impart that. I'm a, me and Holly are anointed for blessings. We are anointed for prosperity. Come on, somebody out there. We're anointed for it. And God is no respecter of persons. And so what, is, what we have and what we've been experiencing through to, since 2004 is that favor of God of bringing to us. The other scripture that we had um, Proverbs 23, 7, then 2 Corinthians uh, uh, 10, 9 uh, says that, out of, uh, that God wants us to have an abundance to give in every good work. So there's a reason why God wants us to be blessed, because he wants us to be blessed to be a blessing. 
Now, we know that Ecclesiastics says that we should enjoy the fruits of our labor and have that. But I may have money, but money does not have me. So when the world has money, they don't know what to do with it, and it destroys their life. For us, we can enjoy money, but really the ultimate thing is to build God's house and build what God is doing. Come on, somebody out there. We begin to make a difference in the world because money means reach. So this legacy is incredible because we're talking about something that will touch your children's 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 children. We're leaving. Again, God is a legacy God. He is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? He's always a generational God. And so we, what we're doing now is setting things up for a generation. And so God wants to get, right, he's looking for, it's interesting, the Bible says he gives seed to the sower. And he gives bread to other people. He says, yeah, I'll give you bread. So, so people that, that, that are not sowers, he's like, okay, good, I, I provide for your needs. But there's different levels of people out there, and these are the sowers. And he says, I want to get seed into your hand because I know that you are the producers. You are the one that are going to produce 10, 20, 30, 100 fold in life. And so I believe that I'm in a room full of sowers. Can I get a Lulu anywhere out there? Lulu, Lulu, Lulu. <laughs> and so that scripture, and then, um, oh, let me see the other. This is one of uh, Psalms 35, 27, that the Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his people. I love that scripture. That word prosperity means abundance in every good thing. So it's not just money. Uh, my life is abundant. Me and Holly's life is abundant in every good thing. We're abundant in great relationship with our children, abundant in our health. We're abundant in our finance. Every area of our life, and that's God's plan. Why is that? Because it says that, that God gets magnified. God looks big to your relatives when they see things happen in your life. Come on. He gets bigger when they're like, I don't know how you did it. Right? People are like, you know, you graduated, Scott, from Gilmer High School. How in the world do you own these businesses? How is God blessing you? You barely got out of high school. How, do, how, how did this happen? It wasn't me. It was Jesus Christ working in me. And here's the thing that I want you to know. And this is, you can, you can Google this, that Christians... Um, Christian businesses are five times more likely to be successful. Why is that? Because we got God behind us. Come on, somebody. When we do things God's way, then God's hand begins to move. That favor begins to bring the people, the resources, and the ideas that we need to be blessed. And I believe wholeheartedly that one way or another that we're... I say all, but you put whatever you want on it. I think that most of us are called in some way to have a business. Church is my life. That's what I love to do, right? But I have my businesses that bring in the income. Otherwise, in life, whenever you work for the man, you always have a ceiling. Because the, the man is, wants to make the money, so he's going to pay you, here's your ceiling. And God can never go against somebody's free will. But as soon as we operate in a business, God goes, oh, I get excited. There's no ceiling on what God can do in a business, right? And so business is something we own. I have, my, my biggest is I have a very large knife company uh, that we started about almost a decade ago, and that's very good. I got a Cerakote company. I got an engraving company. I just started a um, building Jeeps. Oh, my Jeeps are, are very hot and amazing. And so I'm doing a Jeep company right now. My, me and my kids and my wife started a pickleball paddle company. And so um, we, have, <laughs> we have a lot of things. But how many people know that when I'm giving to God, God 
finds a way to give me back my time. I'm able to do all, because there's people out there that they're having trouble just working their job, right? But when we live a life of sowing into God's kingdom and into his house, he magnifies our time. I've got, right, what takes somebody, right, a week takes us an hour. Something that takes them a year takes us a day. And so this is what David was talking about, that one day in your courts is like a thousand. And so this is, right, this is how we do life. We do life differently because we do it with, with God's hand on our lives, I mean, this is a few years ago. Uh, we love, we're movie people. We love to go to movies. And, and COVID put a little damper on that. But we still, right in the tail end there of COVID, we were, the theaters opened up. And so we were pretty excited. And, and we were taking our, our oldest son and his wife to see a movie. And out there, I don't know, we have theaters where you can actually get your seats. Praise the Lord, right? Uh, and so I, I got our little seats in the perfect spot. I saved our, our four seats. I was pretty excited about that. And, uh, you know, me and my wife, we're opposites in a lot of ways, right? She, I love previews. I don't know if anybody else loves, I love to get, to, I don't know why. I love to watch the previews. My favorite thing, see what's going up, I get excited. My wife doesn't really like previews. And so over the years, we've kind of compromised, and we always miss the previews. And so that's great. <laughs> so we get to... We get to the theater, we get to the theater, right? we get our, our popcorn and stuff, and so we're going in, and, then, and, then, uh, and it's dark, and I don't see great in the dark, just so you all know that. So she's got to go do whatever, and so I go sit down in the seats, and, and so I sit down here, and then I get a seat available, and right after COVID, remember, you couldn't buy seats next to each other, so there was seat empty, seat empty, and then my kids were over there, so I'm sitting, and I'm the guy that I live movies, so when I'm watching a movie, I'm all in, like I'm ducking, and I'm that guy, and so I'm all in, and then all of a sudden, I notice Holly had sat down right here, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool, and so I'm like here, and it kind of slows down, and so her arm was right there, and I, I put my arm on top of her arm like this, and I was holding it for a second, and I went... I don't remember having that much arm hair. That's a lot of hair. And I'm like, those hands, those are big mitts on her. You think I would have noticed those big hands when she broke crab or something, you know? Those are some big hands on her. So I look, and I looked over, and at the same moment, this guy with a big, big old beard looks at me. And we looked at each other. I took my hand back. And went this way. And then he took his hand back. And then Holly was sitting here. I'm like, hey. And I'm like, oh, I like that better. That's a lot. That's, a, that's incredibly better. The movie's over. The lights go up. We stood up. Well, I went like that. We didn't say anything. We walked away. I didn't know what to say. There's nothing we say. We didn't exchange a phone number like it was awkward. And one of the things I want to talk a little bit about is we can do things and hold the hand of the world and try and do things the world's way, or we can try to do things and hold God's hand. My wife, come on, somebody out there. We can hold and do things God's way. We do business differently. We do life differently. It's interesting that everything throughout the Bible is opposite of the world. It's amazing when you think about it. Everything that, that God tells us to do is literally the opposite of what culture in our day and our time tells us to do. Why is that? Because the devil doesn't want you to have a great life. That's the bottom line. That's what. So he has designed a system and a world that we live in. 
And everything around us is trying to navigate us out of following God's principles and doing God's things, right? The world says if somebody wrongs you, you wrong them. Jesus goes, no, 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 no. When somebody wrongs you, you love them, right? Somebody says something rude, right? You say rude. No, he goes, no. Jesus says, no, when somebody does something rude, you give them a kind word. A kind word turns away wrath. You are the one that loves your enemy. When they ask you for your mile, you go two miles. Everything in the world, the world says you hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness until they say sorry. And Jesus says, no, 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 you forgive. You don't let the sun go down on your anger, on your wrath. And everything that the world out of Romans 8. So Romans 8 is a really powerful thing. I've been uh, teaching on uh, putting joy up ahead of you. And it's interesting that we can put, we're putting something in our future. You're either putting success and joy, or you're putting pain and misery in your future. All the decisions that you make today, everything that you made last year, somehow is impacting today. The question is, in your marriage, are you putting joy up ahead, or are you putting pain? Well, how do I respond? Do I respond? Roman 8 talks about, do you live a life that is set by the flesh or the spirit? Right? The flesh is going to take you down pain, and the spirit is going to give you life. So the world's way is fun, and, fun here, right? And then a lot of pain up ahead. God's way is a little bit of pain here and a lot of joy up ahead. That's business. That's everything. That's marriage, right? Marriage and building a great marriage, going to a marriage conference, sitting in church every single week with your family, parenting. Your kids, one of the most important things you can do as a parent, most important, is every week be in church. That's it, right? Your kids should never wake up and wonder on a Sunday whether they're going to church. Right? I never did. I never got up a single Sunday in my entire life and went, I wonder what we're doing today. Didn't matter. If I was sick, I'm like, I gotta, I'm sick. And my parents are like, well, let's go to church and get you healed. There was never anything that you could say. Never missed a day. I ne we never missed a weekend of church. But then you look at the statistics. Every statistic knows a man shows that kids that go to church on a weekly basis are happier. They actually get good grades. They're less likely to, to have teen suicide 600 times. They're seven, I think it's 650 times less likely to get on drugs and alcohol. Every statistic shows. Right? And that's the thing that I can see in my... When we got saved back in 1972, right, there was other people that got saved. Their families didn't have the results that my family had. And the only difference that I can show is that we were in church every week. Never missed church. That was the only difference. Now you look at generation. My kids don't miss church. My grandkids don't miss church. My great-grandkids, when that comes one day, won't miss church. We have changed. My parents, who started out, my dad broke. My mom came from every abuse known to man, right? Uh, they, they were both divorced families. Everything was broken. And you see what one generation of going to God's house has done. Come on. One generation. One. Just took one. Just one. So we, we do business differently. We do business God's way. I want to give you this little exercise um, uh, to do. I got to watch my time. What time is it here? I, I, <laughs> you, geez, go on, I'm not, I'll go all night, just like dad. If you ever did, my dad's the best. All right, um, I wanted to give you this little exercise to do. I, was, I just felt like to throw this in. I was going through my notes this week, and uh, this is a cool exercise to do. I want you to write down, maybe this week, husband, wives, or if you're single, um, write down a list of goals. I think we all, all of us have our goals, or maybe going over your goals that you have. 
All right? But then what I want you to do, because everybody's like, all right, get your goals, all right? And oftentimes we have like 10 goals, right? Five goals. We have all these goals in there. Good. But, you know, I believe in being a laser focus. What you focus on. So we can do 10 things mediocre, or we can do one thing amazing. And so what I want you to do is really pray about it and really look at it this weekend. Look over the goals and go, which one of these are going to have the biggest impact on my life? Which one of these are going to move my life the furthest? Then that's the one. That's the one that I want us to focus on going into 2024 and then in 2024. I want you to write that one down. And then what I want to do is I want it to be in front of you. Put it on your phone. Put it on your mirror. Put it in your car. Right? And then I want you to spend time throughout the day minimally three times speak and pray about it. Your words have power. You're putting it in, right? So you're, you're confessing it. You're saying it. You're seeing it, right? You're, you're speaking about it three times. I want you to think about it. As you're going to sleep, I want you to see it coming. There's a power in seeing it every single night. You see it. Thank you, God. Thank God for it every day. God, thank you that you're bringing that into my life. I thank you, Lord, that it is coming my way. I already thank you, God, that I know you are navigating my future in such a way. And then I want you to try and find some books, right? And I want you to read one page a day about how to get there. One pa- just one page. That's not a lot. One page. Let's say, say you skip two days a week. Do five pages a week. What am I doing? Here's what I want. And then I want you in your mind to be working on taking one step a day towards it. Well, what's the big deal? Well, I'm telling you this. If you're going to walk from here to, let's say, Pennsylvania... Right? Because sometimes our, our biggest goals are so far away, you're like, all right, well, it's never going to happen, so we just stay here. But if you had taken 365 steps towards that goal last year, if you'd been doing that for the last five years, how close to that big goal would you get? In life, we don't ever get anything overnight. We find that you watch Abraham's life. It wasn't like, boom, I'm prosperous. It was one step at a time. It's crazy. So, I wasn't going to talk about this, but I'm going to talk about it because it just came to my mind. So, Saul. So, so you have Samuel comes and anoints Saul. You know that Saul was king in a day. King in one day, right? Got anointed. Here you go. And he was king. He, he, was, he was like looking for like goats the day before. And now he was ruling Israel. And he's probably one of the worst kings in Israel's history. Made a mess out of everything, Right? Because he got it in the America's way. The fast food, give it to me now. My Amazon Prime. Hey, I ordered it five minutes ago. Where is it? How come, I, how come it's not here? Right? You do that, I get on Amazon. They're like, it's going to be here in two days. I'm like, what, what is this, the 1800s? I'm not going to get that. What are we doing? Right? So right, we live in that culture and that thing that I want to start a business. And then what? what Pastor, I've been doing this business for a couple of months. Pastor, I have been loving my wife for almost three weeks now, and nothing's changed. So I don't know what you're talking about. This ain't working, right? Right? Because we don't want to take one step at a time. But David gets anointed to be king, and it's 18 grueling years. 18 years where he's got to fight Goliath. 
where he's delivering food to his brothers. He's anointed to be king and he's uber, right? Over to his brothers who can't stand him and hate him, right? And then, then he's got to run from Saul who's trying to kill him. All of Israel's chasing him down. He's got to go live in the Philistines' land, right? He's got to learn how to, to navigate within his enemies, learn the culture of who he's going to have to overcome. See, see every step along the way, he was learning something that was going to give him to be the best king Israel had ever had, right? Come on, somebody. It takes that amount of time, right? We don't want to be king in a day. Somebody say, I don't want to be king in a day. Say it to your neighbor, I don't want to be king in a day. I don't want to be king in a day because it will destroy you. This is why you see that most uh, sports stars, right, get all that money. It destroys them within two, three years. They can't make a marriage work. They got everything that the world says is important, but they don't have what God says is important because they became king in a day. It's not God's plan. God's plan is not for you to get king of the day. God's plan is not for your business overnight to be successful. It'll crush you. But instead, for it to take time for you to grow and to build into what God has. And as we grow and grow through David's process, now I can handle more. Now I can do more. The average business. So, so what most people do when it comes to business is they give up before they get to the blessing. That's why businesses fail. Businesses don't fail because God didn't give you business. Businesses fail because people give up. Scripture for you all. I should move this because I like to talk out here. Um, scripture for you all today. I like the scripture. Genesis, uh, Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So, can you get it? Oh, thank you, Seth. Yeah, I like it right there. <laughs> Keep it where it's hot. Uh, we give up. I think people oftentimes in relationships, we stop. Well, you know, I, I've been, I, give it, I gave and I gave, and then we stop. But when do we stop? We just, I think you just keep doing God's thing. I think you just keep trucking along. You keep, keep doing it. Keep doing good. And God has a timing, and there is a reward. God gave you a business. Right? Keep going. Keep doing it. You got to tweak it. You got to do it. I've had a lot of businesses, right? And the businesses that I stuck with and the ones that I kept tweaking are the ones that are successful. And so we got to be people who do not give up, but instead we keep pressing on and keep pressing on and keep moving and going forward. We don't bury that talent. I, I do this when I go out and do uh, conferences on wealth building. I always ask people, I'm like, all right, how many people, we, uh, you know, don't put your hands up because I don't want to embarrass anybody, but I always go, you know, how many people would work for $1,000 an hour? And everybody's like, woo, yeah, I'll do, yeah, do $1,000 an hour, I'd love it, yeah, sounds great. And then I go, how many people work for $5 an hour? And then nobody, and I was like, nobody, nobody's like, I don't want to work for $5 an hour. And I go, well, what if I were to tell you those are the same thing? Then in a business, if you're not willing to work for 0 to $5 an hour, then you'll never get to the place to make $1,000 an hour. In the knife company, the first three years, I never pay, took a paycheck, not a single paycheck. Yet I put in a tremendous amount of hours. Every single week, I was working and working and working to get to the place to where the business now works for me. And I'll give you a little business advice if you have a business. I refused to build businesses that I work for. I think that's another thing. I'm going to give you a little extra piece here today is that I think people start a business, Christians, I say people, they, they quit their job and they start a business and then they work 50, 60 hours for the business until they retire one day. 
They go, well, you, 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 created, you didn't create a business, you created a job. That's all you did. You had a job, you made a new job. That's all that it was. If we do it God's way and right's way and we allow ourselves to grow and we hire, because I'll, I'll talk to people who have had a business for 20 years, and like, well, you get an employee, like you're, you work all the time. No, you know, no one can do it like I can do it, Scott. And I go, well, see, then you just have a job. Because I get it, nobody will ever do it like you can. I, right? But I have a whole crew of people building knives. Because how many people know, I don't want to build knives. I don't want to ship knives. I don't want to answer emails. I don't want to do phone calls. These are all things that I did in the first three years. I don't want to do those things anymore. I want somebody else to do those because I want my business to work for me. Come on, somebody. We have to create businesses that work for us. Right? And it takes time. I, don't, I didn't stop doing good because people are like, you know, after the first month, they're like, all right, I'm trying to get the business ain't working for me. No, no, no. It takes time up front, right? Remember? Pain, joy. So pain in the business, lots of work, right? I always tell people, keep your regular job and start a business and work your job at night or your business at night. That's what we do. It's pain, right? Well, I don't want to do that. Well, then keep working your job. But if you do that, then there comes a point where now I have enough, where now I can stop working my job, I do my business. Now I work my business in such a way, in a smart way, growing with my business, where I get my business now to work for me. So now my business is working for me. As we're all sitting here talking right now, how many people know my knife company is putting money in my pocket? That's what it does. It's just making me money. We're, we live in the greatest time and age to make money there has ever been because we have what's called the internet, right? My store is open 24-7, open all the time, right? So it works for me. But there comes a mindset that had to happen with me and Holly back in 2004, 2005, and 2006. Where we're, you know, we were reading books every single week. We were growing in wisdom, doing the David thing, right? Doing the David thing, right? And as we did the David thing, and we grew in wisdom. Because the difference between a highly successful business person and somebody that is struggling is wisdom. That's what it is, right? I just, there's things that I didn't know in 2007 that I know today. When I get going on a business, I'm like, no, I did that, right? I've made a lot of mistakes. How many people know I've never made a lot of mistakes? Like, you find the more successful you become, the more mistakes you've made, right? I've, made, I've failed more than most people in here put together maybe a lot. I've had a lot of failures. But you can't get to success without failures. You have to fail. And you have to be willing to step out and take a risk and failed at what's in front of you. And I think that Abraham had to step out. There was a time where God says, go to a land I will show you. And I think in here, some people have heard the thing that says, God said, write a book. Or God said, hey, I need you to start this business. Hey, God, I, God says, I need you to do this. But Abraham did the same thing where he stayed where he was at for a period of time and his life did not change. His life did not change until he stepped out and took a risk. Right? Pastors were talking today. They stepped out and took a risk with the building that they're in. Right? That was a risk. Where there is no risk, there is no reward. There's no reward without risks. Unless you step out. Unless you get out of the boat, you won't walk out of water. You can't walk on water unless you get out of the boat. You've got to get out of the boat. And some of you, it's time to get out of the boat. Right? Our, our knife company was doing all, it was good. It was, it was in my garage. <laughs> Holly was praying for it to not be in our garage for four years. <laughs> Like, it'd be cool if we parked our cars in our garage like everybody else on the planet, but that's fine. Um, and then we ultimately, and I'll get to how this all happened because this actually goes to the main, main story tonight, 
is um, we got a, a store that was available. So, you know, we went from $0 a month because the garage was free to having to buy a storefront uh, to be able to, to get the business in there. But if I don't do that, right, it's a step out. It's a risk. There is no reward. And now the, the store is about 25% of our income, which we never would have believed would ever have been that much. Oh, yeah, I own a gun company too. So that gun company's in there, and a knife company, yes. And so I sell guns and knives, and I don't know, in Boston, if you go, oh, no, crazy guy. <laughs> I don't know if you, if, yeah, if you don't like guns, then I just, I don't sell guns. But if I, you do like guns, I sell a lot of guns. <laughs> Arizona's armed up, thank you. We're ready for whatever's coming. And so... <laughs> but every step of my way was taking risks. There's a, a, a gentleman that did a, a study. Um, he wanted to find out what the difference was between highly successful people and people that just got by. So he went to a, a large entrepreneurial college and he began to research it out. You know, after they got out, after five, ten years, why did some people become highly successful and then others just kind of became the average, the normal? And he found out that it had nothing to do with their background or if their parents stayed married or, or, or if they raised up in a good home. It had nothing to do with race. It had nothing to do with whether they were male or female. The only difference that he could find was the ones that became highly successful were the ones that stepped out and took risks. They failed a lot more, but they were the ones that became highly successful in life. And he came up with one of the things that I talk about is the called the corridor principle. And the corridor principle says this, that in life, there's a, we go down a corridor, and there are doors of opportunity up ahead that we cannot see if we stand still. Isn't that favor? Right? If I step out, right, then God begins to bring to me everything in my life. It was Israel had to step out. God goes, I'll give you Jericho, but you're going to have to do your power. I need you all to do some laps around Jericho is what I need you to do. I'll do the rest. As we step out, all of a sudden, opportunities that we never would have saw before begin to present themselves here. But as long as I... Because so many times with business or writing a book or, or, or starting something up, people go, well, you know, I'm just waiting for the right time. How many people know Jesus said when the right time is? He says, you say in four months. He goes, look up, the harvest is now. Right? Come on, somebody. you got one life to live. Why would you want to wait one more second before you step out? Can I get a Lulu anywhere in the house? Just, now is the time. Now is the time to step out. And as, as I stepped out, all of a sudden, doors of opportunity is always presented that I never would have saw had I not stepped out. Happened with the toy. Toy company was my first highly successful company that I did. Got these little toys, little splat toys and everything. Uh, 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 Holly's mom's hus husband, I don't know whether he'd be stepdad, whatever he is, uh, he did some business in China, came back with these little cool toys. He came back. This was right when I was doing the uh, Think Like a Billionaire. And I was like, that's cool. And uh, so we, uh, I said, well, I want to I sell these. I, I could, they were nowhere. So I wanted to sell them. And uh, so we, we messaged. Uh, I said, well, he has a contact over there in China that was his interpreter. I said, find out you know, if I can get these. So interpreter goes, ah, I can't find him. And I said, stop. 
I said, they're over there. So see if you can find the manufacturer. So again, he goes, I can't find them. I go, how much, like, when you paid him, how much does he make over there? He goes, well, like, they, I think he makes, like, $200 a month. I said, tell him I'll give him $200 if he can find me the company to buy these. And it was, like, the next day. He's like, I got them. Yeah, they found them. Yeah, they were right there. It was easy. But they wanted us to buy 50,000 of these toys is what I had to buy. What am I going to do with 50,000? You know, that's a lot of toys. A lot of toys to buy 50,000. That was the minimum order. So Holly and I prayed, and we said, all right, let's do it. No risk, no reward. 50,000. We, we're going to have Christmas presents for our great-grandkids. Like, we're going to have them forever. We'll have them. Right? And uh, so we ordered those. So while they, they weren't even on the boat yet coming from China over here, as I stepped and I got these, all of a sudden God began to bring me like the ideas of how to sell them to, to go do these trade shows. I was like, I didn't know. And a guy came in. He's like, I'll sell them at trade shows. I'm like, really? I didn't, never even met this guy before. I don't even know how he came into my world, right? He goes, before, right? And then I had all these other guys go, I'll sell these at swap meets for you. And so before the boat had ever even landed, I had already sold enough that covered all the cost of the 50000 and was able to do another order. See, had I not stepped out, none of this would ever happened. So we can't live in a world where I wait to step out because that's not faith. Faith is stepping out. Say, God, you gave me the idea. I feel like now is the time. I'm going to step out. And you find that God brings the people and the resources and the ideas and everything to your life. But here's a secret. I'm going to give you the secret. We find the secret in Ruth. One of the things that I've really been mulling over over the last five years or so, and it's come out in a, in a few different series that I've done, is, you know, my biggest, can I say my biggest blessings? My biggest opportunities, I have never made happen. Never, I've never made my biggest opportunities happen. And I think that oftentimes we try to make them happen somehow that we think that we are the ones that are going to make success happen. Every single one of them, of course, was God making them happen. But it was not by my strength and it was not by my might. Every time, it was me giving to someone with no expectation of return, opening up a door that no man could open. No, it's the craziest thing. I have story after story after story of my life of me giving, right? And then... An amazing door opens up, and I'm able to trace it back and go, well, that was because of this. I didn't know that would do anything. I would have, of course I would have done that if I had known did that. <laughs> Which takes me to the biggest point of tonight, before we get to the, the prayer, is when you live a life of giving, you'll never miss that opportunity. Didn't the Bible say, never miss an opportunity to give to somebody? You don't know who you're entertaining. You don't know who you're blessing. You didn't know that that Starbucks lady who gave you the wrong drink, all she needed was you to give her some grace. And maybe in, in, in six months of visit, you have an opportunity to witness and change her eternity. You don't know how every encounter you have has the impact for the future. And if we can wake up in the morning and go, God, I'm here to serve you and serve your people. Everything that I do is looking for an opportunity to give to other people, to be a blessing to my church, to be a blessing to my community, to be a blessing to, to Ted down at the office who's annoying as heck. I, I am here to encourage people. I'm here to build people up. I'm here to give to people. I'm here. I live a life of giving. 
And when I live a life of giving, my greatest desires seem to find their way to me. We see this biggest in the story of Ruth. Ruth is, uh, she's a widow. Her husband died. Her sister-in-law husband died, which they were brothers. And she's with Naomi, whose husband died. So they're just three single women. And, and along they're going. And finally, Naomi, she's kind of sour at this moment. You can see it in the scripture. She's like, yeah, I y'all go back to your houses. Go back to your homes. I'm going nowhere. My life is just a mess. I mean, I'm miserable. I change my name. I don't even want to be called Naomi anymore. She's like, I'm just annoyed at everything. And, and what the one daughter-in-law, of course, she does what a lot of people do. She goes, yeah, got it. I'm going to go back to what's comfortable. I'm going to go back to what's easy, right? My family's back there. Ruth, I want you to know that she's storing up joy up ahead. How do I store joy up ahead? How do I store blessings up ahead? I find opportunities to give in the moment that I'm in. And so she does something different. It was the hardest one because there is no future where she's going. I mean, you can't, there's no, she's going to go with Naomi. Now I have to take care of Naomi. I have to be the breadwinner for Naomi. I got to go to a place that I don't know anybody. I got to go to a land. But Ruth says, I'm going to serve and do you. I'm going to do this. Your God's going to be my God. Your people be my people. And then when she goes to the land, right, with Naomi, gets there, first thing they got to do, they got to make money. She starts at the very bottom of society. She's at the bottom. She's down there gathering what their, their system for the poor back then was, we, we know that, is the harvest would go through and whatever fell off, then you, you weren't allowed to go back and get. So, so that was for the, the widows and it was for the orphans and it was for the poor people. The lame would go back and this is what they get. So she's out there, out there and she, she's gathering just enough, right? She's gathering just enough. But you look through the scriptures and you find that God had orchestrated at the exact field she would be, at the exact moment. When you look at when Boaz arrives, he's just like, I just arrived. He's like, I don't know why I just got here today. He's like, hey, who's that? What's that over there? And then Boaz says something very powerful. Because when he goes and talks to her, he says to her, he goes, he goes, it's because of what I've heard about what you did for Naomi. Wait, wait, wait. Her giving with no expectation of return is what opened up the door for Boaz to come into her life. See, this is, I came over here because of this. You don't know of what you did six degrees over here and how it put some things in place over here that God orchestrated and navigated to bring the dream Boaz into your life here happened because of something you did way over here. Because you're living a life of giving. And this giving opened up all the doors. We spend all our time trying to open up doors, trying to get doors open. And God goes, no, no, no. Just give and be great where you're at, and I will find ways to bring the doors to you, the opportunity to you. Then, when they finally do decide, hey, boy's like, I want to marry this, this girl, he has to go to the, city, to the city people and see if he can. Because he can't, he can't marry a Moabite woman. That's... Right, there's no way. That doesn't, that doesn't happen at those days. The Moabite people are the worst of the worst of the people. But when he met with the council, I believe the council goes, they're a good woman. I mean, took care of no, right? Her giving went ahead and spoke favor and the impossible happened when they said, yeah, you can marry this woman. Every step along the way, it was her giving that opened up the biggest doors of opportunity. Come on, somebody out there. There's got to be a Every time I tried uh, 
So there was a time I was, um, I was traveling and, and doing speaking engagements, or trying to, right? This is even before I was speaking here. Um, just trying to get churches, you know, to, to have Scotty out to go to travel. Because my dad was the lead pastor, so I was like, you know, once a month it would be cool to go out and, and travel. So I spent forever, months, six months, tra- calling and, e- and sending out and just trying to get people out. And it couldn't, nothing. Nobody, nobody, nobody would have me, ever. No one would have me anywhere in, 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 in America uh, for any of the churches. And so then um, I had my... Um, my Think Like a Billionaire book come out. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Well, I'm going to focus on the book. So I get the book out there. And so, right, I got it published. And I was excited. And uh, this thing's going to, you know, I'm gonna, and I want to get it now. And they told me, they said, when the book, they said, hey, we need you to get into churches. I'm like, well, okay. So maybe my book will help me get there because that will help sell the book. So I'm like, all right, cool. So we went on it again. And so we spent months and months, right? And, and then so here, we're months into this thing. So I'm like, all right, how many books we sold? And like, and so far we've sold two. I think my mom bought one, and some lady in New Jersey. Like, we're not. The book's not selling. Nothing's going anywhere. I'm giving all my time and effort. I'm spending money. I'm trying to get into anything, and now I'm discouraged because just nothing's opening up in the book world at all, in any world. Nothing's opening up. I'm, I'm giving all my time and energy. I'm working hard on this, and so my publisher says, "All right, well, there's this big uh, Christian book conference." Uh, where, you know, all the bookstores come out, and uh, this is going to be in, in uh, Oklahoma. We want to set up a table for you, and uh, we think that we'll get bookstores. It, it could be a good opportunity. So, good. So I go out. I'm pretty excited again. I'm like, ooh, cool. Got my table. We brought tons of books. We're going to give away books to all these people. Right? I'm going to make this thing happen again. So I'm, I'm sitting there. And have you ever been to, like, these book, co- the, any type of conference at a hotel? They have your rooms here, and then like 2.7 miles away, you have to walk. You ever done these? You got to walk forever all the way to the big conference center. So you walk all the way, set my books up. I'm excited. They're about to release all the people. You see them, woo! And here they all come, and I'm excited. I'm going to sign books, right? And they all come up, and then they all get in line right next to me. Because John Maxwell was right there. I didn't even notice. I was so into myself, right? Yeah, good for me. So John's just, yeah, everybody wants to hear Super John Maxwell stuff. Nobody wants Scotty stuff at all, right? And I'm just sitting there, right? A little tear, right? I watch all day as people get his books and they just leave, right? I can't, I literally cannot give my book away. Nobody even wants to take my book. So all day long, and now at the end of the day, I'm done. I'm frustrated. Nobody wants my book. Stupid book. I hate it. Hate everything about it. So I pack up, and I decided I was supposed to be there two days. I go, no. I changed my flight. I said, I'm going home. I'm not doing this for two days. I can sit by myself anywhere. I don't have to sit here for all day long. And so I'm walking, and I'm, all, and I'm all the way to the hotel. And all of a sudden, this young 21, 22-year-old right, kid comes up, and he, he's running. He's like, are you, are you Scott Anderson? I go, yeah. He goes, are you, you, you wrote the book, Think Like a Billionaire? I go, yeah. He goes, I was hoping to be able to get a copy of that. And then I was like, and I'm like, I don't even like my book. I don't have one. I don't even have my own book. So I'm like, ah, and in my mind, I was like, in my mind, I was like, but I, I, I decided to be di- built differently, that I'm always looking for opportunities to give people. So I said, well, come on with me. Let's walk back. I'll get you a copy of that book. And I walk, and I'm talking to this guy. He's like, my wife is pregnant. She's going to have the baby anytime now. Kind of cool. And we walk all the way back. I sign him the book and give him the book. And then off he goes, and, I got, and then I walk back to the hotel two miles, and I'm going to fly back tomorrow. Stupid day, right? I get on the, on the plane, and, and when we land, 
in Arizona, uh, my phone blows up a text, and it's my assistant. She goes, hey, Dr. Winston just called, and he wants, to, he wants you to speak at their, at their conference, their finance conference in two weeks, which is, that's the third largest church in America. And I went, okay, what happened, right? Well, when you find out what happened, here's what happened. You want to see what happened? That kid works for Dr. Winston. Didn't know that. Nobody ever told me that, right? But Dr. Winston doesn't know, just so you know this, Dr. Winston doesn't know him. He's got a gajillion people working for him. Has no idea who this kid is, right? But the kid's wife goes into labor. Dr. Winston is flying home on his private jet that night and somehow orchestrated where God gets him on the jet to get home for his wife to have a baby. He's sitting on the jet. He pulls my book out to read it. And Dr. Winston goes, you know, Dr. if you know Dr. Winston, he goes, give me that, boy. And so he takes the book. He reads the book on the plane. When he lands, he goes, we gotta I want him at my church in two weeks for the finance conference. <laughs> Telling you. I couldn't make that happen. Could, you couldn't make that happen. Only God could make that happen. And I, 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 there's a story of how I got on CNN, same thing. Um, everything, everything that big has ever happened in my life has always happened from living an attitude of giving. So if I leave you with anything tonight, do that. Do it. Just live a life. Because you don't ever know when your Ruth moment's going to happen. And that's the big thing. Because God doesn't want, I'm not giving to get. I just give to give. But when I give, God opens up a doors. Right? Because Jesus even talked about it. He goes, for those of you that give so everyone can see, he goes, you already got your harvest. He goes, you already got it. You got, everybody got to see you give. He goes, no, no, God blesses the ones who are not giving to get something. Those are the doors of opportunity. Well, how do I do that? I never miss an opportunity to give a smile, to be of a kind word, to give somebody some help, to be able to be a blessing to somebody. Everywhere I go, I work hard at living a life of giving because it's going to be the littlest gifts that you give that will open up the biggest doors of opportunity for your business. Which I told you, I tell you about the, the building I got. <laughs> Which, what time is it? I don't want to run out. I, this will be my last one. I go on, I go, I go, I go to midnight. No, because I, I want to have time to pray over you all if, for those that want that. So with our building, right? So I'm looking everywhere to get our stuff out of the garage, right? So we're looking at warehouses at the time. I just need a warehouse because my garage is like a warehouse. And I'm looking. And it's funny, at least in Arizona, Realtors, for some reason, they just don't want to, they don't want to work for that. They, I, they, may not make, they must not make much money on it. Because call, they have a gajillion places open. Call, call, call. Nobody calls you back. Nobody wants to get anything. I can't find anything at all. It's very frustrating. I just want to move my knife company out the garage and at least into a warehouse. So um, I'm driving around looking, and then I, I go to the house, and we were having our VBS, Vacation Bible School, at the church. And uh, I'm kind of walking out, and my wife goes, she goes, you know, you should take pizzas to, to, to all the workers down at VBS. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm the lead pastor, honey. Do you know who I am? I'm Pastor Scott. I, 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 I don't deliver pizzas. I'm not the pizza delivery boy, right? I'm joking with her. Uh, but my wife, and she does push me to give. And I go, yeah, I get, and I had a really busy day, but I'm like, it would be, you're right, that would be a blessing and Pastor Scott showed up with like 15 pizzas, you know, and gave everybody some, some Little Caesars pizzas. So I'm like, all right, yeah, sounds good. Yeah, you're, you're right. That's a great opportunity to give. I want to be a giver. 
<laughs> Sometimes I, it annoys me to give, but I'll give. So I drive down to Little Caesars. I never go to Little Caesars. We're not Little Caesars people. We're just not, right? So I drive down to the Little Caesars. I had to put it on the maps. So I drive down to it. And I'm going, as I'm walking up, there's a storefront, and a guy's just putting a sign up. He's literally just hanging a sign and goes, Place for lease. Now I went, Really? Okay, that's kind of cool. So I got the little phone number. I got that. And then I got my pizzas. Took the pizzas down to the church, and then I, I called the number, and it was so small that the owner, he goes, hello, and I go, yeah, and, and, and I said, yeah, you got a little place for lease. He goes, oh, how'd you know? I go, I, the sign just went up. He goes, uh, okay, I said, how much? And what he told me was like half of what even the big warehouses are, but this is a storefront. This is on one of the busiest roads, cars, thousands every day coming by, by Little Caesars, Little Caesar attracts people that loves knives and guns, right? Everything about it. And I said, I want it. He says, he goes, okay, when do you want it? I go, I want it now. I want it today. So he said, good, send me a contract, right? I signed it all. And then he's like, like the next day, he goes, he goes, I had like 30 people call me. I go, of course you did, but that was my place. And I got it through giving. Come on, somebody. I got it through giving. It's always good. Every opportunity. I can't find a big opportunity in my life. Or it was not a moment where God's like, just get them to deliver pizzas. That's all I need them to do is deliver the pizzas. I wonder how many times God's trying to, to get us to give in some capacity. I wasn't giving. I was just giving pizzas. Just picking up and delivering some pizzas for some people. A life of giving is a great life. It really is. So I would like to uh, take a moment tonight, and um, those that would want it, I don't know if they'll put a little music behind us while we're doing it. I didn't bring any anointing oil. Maybe they have some, but if they don't, that's all right, too. Um, and I would like to, those that would like that, me and Holly together would like to pray over you. And the same thing that Jesse Duplantis, I don't know a person, like I, Jesse, if you know, does you all know Jesse? Everybody know Jesse? Yes. Jesse blessed. I've never met, you know what also I've never met? I've never met. Jesse really is one of the reasons why I try to live a life at giving. Jesse Duplantis is a giver. No, there was a moment with our church um, got hit. Arizona got hit uh, second hardest with the economy ever. We went from Hummers and Mercedes uh, in our parking lots to bicycles and 20-year-old cars in like two, three weeks. And um, it hit us hard where we were like, we were, it was crazy. And he came in. And he gave us $60,000. No, that's big. I mean, who can, what speaker gives you? We didn't ask. We didn't even tell him we were in trouble. He just said, hey, you know how Jesse is. He goes, hey, God told me to give you 60. I give you all the offering comes in. He goes, I'll raise a big one. And he goes, and he raised 60 grand. And uh, it, yeah, and it literally is the reason why we are today. Because we would, I don't think, I don't see how we would have made it without that 60 grand. But he's a guy um, come in the office. Who, who knows me? He's like, it's Scott Anderson. And he knows, he's just always, he's a giver. And so he felt led to pray over prosperity and anoint uh, me for prosperity some, whatever, 18 years ago. And so I'd like to do the same thing for everybody in here that would like that. And the same anointing for prosperity on my life, I'd like to anoint your life to be prosperous. And it could get crazy. I don't know how many people are going to come up. It could get crazy. That's all right. We've got some time. Come on up, and we can line up all the way across uh, and then kind of around, and then we'll just do a corporate prayer, and then we'll just anoint all those that want it. Come on up.
And I'm sorry, I didn't let them know about this. This is kind of a thing. Is that oil? Yes. <laughs> you made my whole night. You're a giver. And I'll do, what we'll do is I'll do is just a corporate prayer. And then I'll just navigate all the way around. And once you get your touch, you can go back to your seat or go, I don't know. What, what's the plan after this? Are you releasing after this? Or is there more after this? Do you want them to go back to their seats or are they free to mingle? Mingle, okay. So I, I'm, we're going to pray. I'm going to touch. And then um, I'm going to give you a, the anointed touch and uh, lay hands on you. And then you can just go back to your seats or go mingle, go talk, do whatever you want. Where's my amazing wife? I couldn't do any of this without her. She's the anointed one. She's blessed. She's prosperous. Whatever her hands touch is crazy blessed. I don't know. You know what? You know the thing that she brought into my life without me getting teared up? You're a giver. She makes me give till it hurts. I <laughs> do. And I do say that. You know, it's crazy because all of our years, you know, I go through, the, you know, what she spends. You know, we're doing bills and stuff. And I'm like, you bought nothing for yourself. You bought nothing for yourself. You bought for this. You bought for that. She, she, and I'm like, well, I can't, I can't get mad at it um, because she is such a tremendous giver. And um, I believe that she brought that into my world. And the reason why we have our success is because we're givers. I don't know if you have anything you want to say. You, you're beautiful. I don't know why I'm crying. I'm just getting emotional. Is that dang lasagna was so good. All right. <laughs> you know, but, you know, we worked... We put joy into our future. What me and Holly experienced today was a lot of work for, you know, 18 years ago. Uncompromising Uncom of following God's word. A lot of people don't follow, you know, they, 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 there's easy things you can do. There's quick ways. And then there's God's way. You know, we, Holly's writing a tremendous book on being happy all the time right now. It's, almost, it's getting close to being done. And there was work with us. Of, if you want to have joy, there's work being happy all the time. There's a lot of work. All gives us the recipe, but it's work. But we did what it took, you know, in, to have a great marriage, to raise our kids. We're doing the, you know, the spirit family this weekend. Good kids don't just happen. You know, and I'll talk about this some tomorrow, but I mean, we, 27, 28 years ago, we went to two 16-week uh, 16 weeks of parenting classes twice for two years 32 weeks out of a year then every year since we've never missed 16 weeks every single year that's what it takes if you want to raise up great amazing kids but most importantly have a great relationship with them I mean we do I mean we do life together that's what it takes so um, we're going to pray and then I'm going to uh, Lay hands on you. Dear my Father, Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you and praise you. Thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesse to, to lay hands on my family and anoint my family with that prosperity, Lord, 18 years ago. And so now we are doing the same thing here tonight, that we are anointing them for your blessings. That we have a house here of givers that will look for the opportunity to give. We live a life of give. It's all around us. How do I touch people's lives? How do I make a difference? How do I change? 
the world that I'm in. I do it through giving. That out of my abundance, I can give for every good work. And you look bigger, God, when I live a life of giving, when I give kind words to people that are rude, when I give love to people who are unlovable, when I give hope to the hopeless, that we live a life of giving. And we know in that, Lord, that you're working Ruth moments out for us, that you are orchestrating things up ahead of us, of big doors that no man could ever open. No man could ever have done the doors in my life, but they were all done through giving. And so, Lord, we thank you and praise you, Lord, that you give them the strength of knowing when to step out, Lord, that we are risk takers, that we step out, Lord, that when you put something in front of us, we get out the boat because we will walk on water. We will do the impossible. We'll take laps around Jericho, that we will not stop doing good, that we will continue to do good because in your timing, there is a reward that comes, that we are people that do not compromise. We are uncompromising with your word, Lord. Because we build your house. As for me and my house, we will build the house of the Lord. Because when I seek ye first the kingdom, then everything else seems to be added into my lives. And so, Lord, we are a group of people that build your house. We're building legacy, Lord, that we are doing that. But then you will find a way to bring doors of opportunity to our life. That your favor will chase us down. Lord, we see right now, as your word says, great wills will spring up in a time of famine. Famine doesn't bother us, Lord, just like for me. COVID should have put my business out, but it was the most prosperous year we'd ever had up to that time. Why is that, Lord? Because when famine hits, Lord, you hit harder. And, Lord, you make things spring up in any economy. You don't worry about the economy. You'll bless us when it's high and when it's low. You are blessing us, Lord. And so your blessings run us down. They chase us down. Every good thing, because we are people who follow your word, so we will live a prosperous life, meaning we will have an abundance of every good thing. We have abundance of great relationships. We have abundance in our finance. We have abundance in our health. We live a life of abundance. And that prosperity makes you look big, makes you look large, and make you look in charge. And as a group of people, Lord, we see in you orchestrating such a campus, such a piece of land, Lord. Oh, for this church. Oh, Lord, it's going to make the newspaper. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to rock the community, Lord. It's going to be such a difference maker that you put a team together. A team together, Lord. That are going to build something so magnificent to you. That their children's children will go, yeah, my great-grandparents were a part of that. Yeah, that big difference changer, the thing that changed our city. Yeah, Lord, we were, we were a part of that. And we're building legacy together, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name.